This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Great time you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this man back. He's the News Nation National Correspondent. It's Robert Sherman. He's in Tel Aviv, Israel. Robert, good to see you again. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me back. When you're there and it's a time of war, do you feel safe? I, I know that you're like a, a journalist who will put his life on the line to get the story, and, and I appreciate that about you. But do you feel safe there in Tel Aviv? Yeah, I mean, it depends where you are. I mean, I'll be honest with you, in Tel Aviv, I feel more safe walking around here than I do in a lot of cities in the United States. I mean, it's it's a very safe city. And that even considering the fact that we get rocket attacks here every couple of days, um, I mean, it's this is a very fortified city here. But when we go south, you know, we were just in Kibbutz Beri a couple of days ago. And right. you're right next to the Israeli artillery as they're firing and... I mean, any moment, I mean, you could get rockets coming in. And the big difference between southern Israel and here is, is that when Hamas fires rockets up to Tel Aviv, you've got about 90 seconds warning, maybe up to two minutes. Okay. If you're in southern Israel, if you're in these places where these people were attacked, you get five, eight seconds. It's, it's a very different ballgame. It's uh, Robert Sherman coming to us from uh, from Tel Aviv, Israel. My family was asking me this earlier, and I wonder if you know, I'm sure that you do know, how many hostages are still being kept? Do we have an actual number? It's a ballpark of about 130 right now. That that number has ebbed and flowed a bit. I mean, we, we got some news today that uh, three hostages uh, were inadvertently killed by the IDF. Uh, they were misidentified and believed to be a threat. Um, and they were, uh, the idea of open fired and killed them. And turns out that there were three Israeli hostages that were taken from Southern Israel, October 7th. Um, so, I mean, that's to say that as we're in that number of around 130, give or take, those numbers fluctuate eight Americans still is what we, is the number we continue to get from the white house here. And that's the pressure that you have on the ground here is you have all of these hostage families who are clamoring for the Israeli government to cut some kind of deal. Um, that's one perspective. There are some who believe that the Israelis should keep up the pressure um, and, and not give Hamas another opportunity to regroup and regather themselves. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the confluence of a couple of different perspectives that you have here. It's uh, Robert Sherman coming to us from uh, Tel Aviv. You can see him on News Nation. He's the national correspondent. And you've done incredible work since you've been there uh, in October. Um, when it comes to politics in Israel, I'm not from Israel, but I understand Netanyahu is a right guy. Yeah, the president is a left guy. But they agree, obviously, that you can't just be attacked and not do something about it. They seem to agree that you go in and you take out Hamas, whatever you have to do. And then we've got Biden on this side of the ocean who's saying, well, hold on a second. Why don't we do this? And we're still working for a two-state solution. When, when, you, when it comes to news reporting locally in Israel, is there this back and forth between Netanyahu and the president, or are they, are they aligned, and then they're wondering, maybe the residents of Israel, why America, why the United States is so apprehensive to let them just do what they have to do? That's a very astute question. And I mean, I would say before October 7th, Israel was a country that was really divided politically. Yeah. 
I mean, were, I mean, it was, it was really, I mean, similar, similar kind of undertones to what you have in the United States. This is right. that really divided right down the middle. Um, and then October 7th happened. And I mean, it's, it's a really interesting two-sided coin here on the weather, on the one hand, pretty much every Israeli you talk to points the finger at the Israeli government and Prime Minister Netanyahu for what happened October 7th. Okay. Uh, so believe that he's effectively a lame duck president. Um, and there are people here, everyone you talk to says is that there will come a day in which there is accountability in Israel. That day is not today. And that day is not going to come until this war is over. So for now, the country is very united. People have put most everything aside and are very united on the front of trying to win the war and with all possible haste. Uh, but rest assured is, is that there are going to be some tough conversations had in Israel when all is said and done. Well, how the government is, is formed there, does Herzog have the power? Does Netanyahu have the power? Why is there a president and a prime minister? I guess I'm confused by that. Right. You know, I mean, it's a really good question, you know, and, and, and both of them have uh, their own authorities and their own right. To, but I mean, Prime Minister Netanyahu is, the one, I mean, who is who is really like, like the outspoken face of Israel at this right. point. So, I mean, you see him in all the meetings, like with Jake Sullivan here today. Uh, I mean, he's making the rounds with everybody. But I mean, the prime minister is the one who is really at the forefront of all of this here. So are they both elected, though? I guess I guess I'm, I'm a little confused. Is one more of a, of a figurehead, like you said, Netanyahu is the outspoken leader? Does Herzog have similar powers? Yeah, I mean, they, they both have their their own authorities, and and I I admit to you, the exact division of their roles, you know, is uh, is is something that I you know totally don't fully understand. But I mean, yeah, I, part, I, well, know, it's hard to understand because you know we come from a place where there's yeah. a president, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's no doubt about it, you know, of like who's you know, I mean, who is uh, in, in the White House at the, in the United States, you know, yes. when it comes to what's going on here in Israel, you have to form a government through the Knesset which is uh, where you have had you know, a lot of these disputes over the last couple of years. Um, and you know, there are plenty of political rivals you know, as, as well here. And so that's where you've had all this division here. I mean, but I mean, it's really for that prime minister role. But, but if somebody were to blame a, a, a person for this, as you said, the people of Israel say Netanyahu dropped the ball here somewhere. It, it, there's talk on this side of the pond, as you know, because you're covering it, about how they actually got warned before it happened, but they didn't take the warning seriously. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this before, Robert. The, the idea that the IDF and, and the Mossad or the CIA didn't see something coming is, it makes our, it, it, it blows our minds because we think of these agencies as on really on top of everything since 9-11, certainly. H how did this happen? Is anybody reporting there? Because, again, the blame game is easy to do, but is there any evidence that there was some sort of warning before that wasn't taken seriously? And so, I mean, to more pointedly answer your previous question, you know, I mean, when it comes to the blame game here, yeah, I mean, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is just a piece of that. I mean, people believe, you know, for the most part that it's just like it's time to clean house. I guess the parallel to the United States would be, you know, the entire executive branch needs to be replaced. The entire leadership you know, of, of the country needs to be redone and right. know, starting all over and form a new government here. Uh, you know, and then in, in terms of how all of that happened, that is the question that everyone on the ground here is asking, because, I mean, for years, I mean, you have heard these comments made by Israeli leadership touting their their intelligence and how on top of the Gaza Strip they are. Right. Evidently, not quite. 
Um, but you do see this reporting that is coming out that uh, other intelligence agencies around the world had an idea this was coming. You've seen some of the reports uh, that the Israelis had at, at the very least at the very least, a rudimentary blueprint of what was going to happen here. Um, right now, as you can imagine, the Israelis uh, are, are trying to do everything they can. The Israeli leadership are doing everything they can to not answer those questions right now. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to, 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 to focus on the here and now. And again, you know, punt that accountability conversation to after the war. I would say this, though, is... Uh, you, you know, I mean, it's almost as like, like view someone like Prime Minister Netanyahu as like Nancy Pelosi or somebody like that. Somebody who okay. has just been in government for so long. You know, I mean, it's like you, you don't see Nancy Pelosi in the Speaker of the House role right now. But would you ever write her out? I mean, she has been it, I mean, she's been such a, a hallmark of American right. politics for so long. That's how people feel here is is don't don't count out the prime minister. Very interesting. It is uh, Robert Sherman TV over on Twitter or X. Robert Sherman TV from News Nation's Robert Sherman joining us from Tel Aviv. The big talk here, for some reason, all of a sudden in the past three or four days, and I know that you've seen this, is the two-state solution. Have to have a two-state solution. The answer from Israel, of course, is we could have done that before October 7th or ceasefire. Well, we could have had a ceasefire before October 7th or peace. Well, we had peace before October 7th. Is there anybody there in Israel, either of the populace that you've, that you've spoken with or in government that says, yeah, what the United States is saying about a two-state solution can happen now? You know, I was here a few months ago, and when you would walk around Tel Aviv, which is the the more transient part of Israel, you know, I mean, a lot of like young, like college students, you right. know, like I, I would describe it, you know, more left of center here in this region. I and mean, you would talk to people and they would they would describe the situation in Gaza as complicated. And there was this degree of empathy towards the people of Gaza. It's like, well, what do we do? You know, I mean, this is unsustainable here. So I mean, there is that open mindedness towards a two state solution. Don't really hear that now. You don't really hear people talking about the idea of making the Palestinians a partner in peace. I mean, it's, that's just a conversation that people aren't willing to entertain right now with over 100 hostages still being held, with 1,200 people dead from October 7th. And I think this is the other important thing that people miss in this whole conversation here is just that oftentimes I see this get misframed as it is – Israel versus the rest of the world on a two-state solution, that everybody right. in the world wants a two-state solution except Israel. There is ample empirical polling out that suggests that the majority of Palestinians aren't necessarily in favor of a two-state solution. They don't believe that Israel would ever accept them as a sovereign state. Israelis don't believe that the Palestinians would accept them as a sovereign state. So it's not a matter of convincing Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli government and a switch gets flipped instantly. Right. You you still have to get the Palestinians totally on board with all of this. Well, the Palestinian Authority was offered its own state in the late 1990s as Bill Clinton was leaving, and they turned it down. Yasser Arafat said 97% isn't enough. And I guess there were pockets of Israeli occupation that would have gone along with that, and that was a big problem as well. Has there ever been, to your knowledge, you've got vast knowledge there, has there ever been a two-state solution that was suggested where the Palestinians said, yeah, that looks pretty good, let's do that one? Because for my money, they've always said no. Yeah, and it's been it's been on the table multiple times is the yeah. thing. You know, I mean, this, this offer has been out there. Um, and it's it's never gotten across the the finish line. I mean, if if, if the two state solution 
uh, that has been on the table in the past were implemented. I mean, you would have a Palestinian state with a capital in East Jerusalem and full member status in the United Nations. Obviously, that's not the world that we live in today. Is it possible to get to that point? Uh, not sure. You know, I mean, you can even go back and listen to Condoleezza Rice's comments from 10 years ago saying right. the trend that she was seeing is, is that Palestinians as, as you know, younger Palestinians are less inclined uh, to be in favor of a two-state solution. And those that are in favor of a two-state solution are older. Um, and you know, so the trend is going in the opposite direction. A lot of the empirical data, and again, you know, I'd be take take all polling with a grain of salt, right? Right. Um, but I mean, pretty much ev most every piece of empirical data that we've seen so far suggests that you would have to convince a good number of Palestinians to get on board with a two-state solution, in addition to a good number of Israelis as well. It's perfectly understandable. Robert Sherman, by the way, coming to us from Tel Aviv, Israel, Robert Sherman TV over on X or Twitter. It's understandable if you don't know the answer to this, but but because I'm so intrigued by the entire region, do you know from being there on the ground why Jordan and Egypt don't want any Palestinians? They literally said day one, we're not taking any. Uh, we don't want them here. Why is that? And even back, if you go back to the to 1970s, uh, Israel and Egypt were fighting over who gets Gaza and Egypt said, you take it. We don't want it. Why? Do you know why? You know, I mean, it's it's that distinction between what is being said out loud and what is, you know, behind the scenes. Right. So, right. I mean, being said out loud, I mean, you've heard the king of Jordan say, well, this is a this is a situation in Palestine that has to be settled in Palestine. Right. Um, and and the, the problem needs to be solved internally. Uh, and then you've had Egypt say is, is that you know, I mean, I mean, effectively distilling it down is, is that we've taken a lot of refugees over the years and you know we haven't felt very appreciated for the refugee situations that right. we have. Um, yet, then, you know, you, you hear these under the table comments, you know, that are made, you know, take Egypt, for example, you know, fearing that if you had a significant influx in refugees, it would be destabilizing to the country. You know, I mean, right. it's their own self-interest there. Jordan alluding to similar things as well. I mean, it's just, I mean, to call a spade a spade here, I mean, they just don't want them. They, they yeah. just don't want they just don't want that mass influx of refugees coming into their country, despite all the rhetoric out there saying, you know, we stand with the Palestinians and all of this. Right. Uh, they are not in their hands saying that they're prepared to take them. It's a very it's a very interesting uh, you know area because, again, the Palestinians really, if you look back, their ethnicity is really either Jordanian or Egyptian, maybe Lebanese. There wasn't really a Palestine. You know, Great Britain had something they called a territory that was Palestine. You could maybe say it was the, the biblical Philistine, which I'm not even sure it's the same people. But when, when times get tough like this, Egypt and Jordan seem to back out and announce it like right away. We're not going to take any refugees, said the king of Jordan, whose wife is Palestinian. So the whole thing is very interesting to me. It's uh, Robert Sherman uh, from uh, from Israel today, and I really appreciate you coming from News Nation and filling us in. One last question. On the streets, they're either from the government or the people that you speak with. What do they think the end of this is going to be? Is it all of Hamas is eradicated or else we don't stop? Or is there something else that may be the end game? You know, that's a really good question, because, I mean, when I hear people talk, I mean, they also recognize this elephant in the room here is just that I mean, we have these conversations in the United States about, like, say, like using drone warfare right. in the Middle East. You know, for every terrorist that you kill, do you create a vacuum and do you create you know, like the Hydra effect of, you know, effectively? And that right. is something that people recognize here is, is that it's, it's not as if this war is going to all of a sudden create goodwill with the Palestinians. I mean, I mean you have. 
the people who are dead over there. So I mean, in terms of the long-term solution, most everyone who I speak with longs for a day in which there is peace in this region and which Israel is accepted. Because keep in mind, I mean, there are plenty of sovereign states in the Middle East that won't even recognize Israel. If you try and get into their country with an Israeli stamp in your passport, they won't let you come in. I mean, it's it's that deeply rooted here. To an extent, you know, I mean, I would say this is that most people we speak with long for those days, you know, of peace and acceptance. Right. Uh, but believe that this is the reality going forward. I mean, this, the, the operation that the Israelis are conducting, they're not making any friends in the Middle East. And you already hear the rhetoric coming from countries such as Qatar, you know, for example, you know, I right. mean, or even the UAE. I mean, those are countries that are some of the most friendly towards Israel. Uh, I mean, they've made it very clear where they stand on all of this here. So long-term solutions, hoping to eradicate Hamas, um, but not everyone is so bullish on that. Not everyone is so bullish that uh, there, there's an end game in sight. Your reporting from there has been amazing. Go and follow him right now, Robert Sherman TV on Twitter. He is uh, from News Nation. He's the national correspondent, Robert Sherman. Robert, thanks a million for coming to us from Israel again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. You're listening to Joe Pags. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, great to have you. Thanks. I appreciate Robert coming back on from Israel. I love that we have access to actual Israel and find out what's going on on the ground there. Do me a favor. Make sure you stop by my social media. It's going to be Joe Talk Show on Instagram and on YouTube. Short videos there about Biden, about stuff that I'm thinking about. Just I yell, come on at the end. You're going to like them. Also on TikTok, Joe Pags, J-O-E-P-A-G-S. And make sure you do that too. Keep in mind the Cameo videos are available. Cameo.com slash J-O-E-P-A-G-S. Let's do some pop culture. Hi, right, Paula, what's going on? So do you watch uh, Jeopardy at all? I haven't for years. Have not. So I used I, to. Okay, so I mean, I don't know if you knew that. You know, ever since uh, Alex Trebek had passed, they've they've had two hosts. Primarily, it's been uh, I guess one of the previous winners, Ken Jennings, and then uh, Mayim Bialik. I guess that's how you say it. How right. You, uh, Blossom. Um, well, she she announced today that Sony notified her saying that she's no longer going to be uh, the host for the syndicated version of Jeopardy. Wow, it's going to be Jennings. Uh, they haven't said that she was, I guess, putting that out there, saying that she was grateful for getting to be able to host the show, but she's not longer going to be, uh... I've never seen her do it. I know that she's a pretty smart lady, so that's, that's interesting. All right, brother, I appreciate you. Thank you, Polo. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Carrie. I'm Joe. We're back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Make sure you go check out all the videos online. See you later. Bye. This is The Joe Pegg Show.